Hey, welcome to the Bartender Atlas podcast. My name is Josh Lindley. I am your host. This week, I talked to Tata Kimura from uh, Sao Paulo in Brazil. Before getting into that, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, share the podcast. So the way that I came across Tata as uh, someone to feature on the podcast is I was updating profiles on Bartender Atlas on the website. If you're not already on the website, please sign up. Anyhow, as we're promoting people, I reach out and I ask if they're still at the bar that they're currently at. And Tata, of course, says that because of the pandemic, things in Brazil are not so good. So she had started a collective to help female bartenders out who are now out of work due to this pandemic. I thought that this was a great idea and thought that uh, Tata would have some cool stuff to share with us on the podcast. So here she is, Tata Kimura from Sao Paulo on the Bartender Atlas podcast. On the phone with Tata Kimura, I want to start this off a little differently than I've started the rest of them off. What did you want to be when you were a kid? Um, I never thought of being something when I was a kid, but I, I really liked cooking. So I guess I tended more to this part of the the professional side. Like, uh, although I am I am graduated in marketing, I always liked cooking. That was the only thing that I bring since I was a kid. And uh, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in a town near Sao Paulo. It's like. 40 minutes from downtown Sao Paulo. Uh, it's called Santo André. Uh, they have like, uh, it's a, a region called ABC. And there are three cities and they have like lots of factories there, like Volkswagens there, uh, General Motors and Ford and this kind of thing. So uh, they are not like countryside, but they are not like big city. Right. Like a suburb sort of situation or an industrial area? Yeah, kind of. There are a lot of uh, commercial buildings there too. Lots of restaurants and bars and universities. But it's mostly for people like uh, either work there uh, on the factories or they just like sleep there and work in Sao Paulo because it's very near. Yeah, it's real close. It's a quick commute. Uh, when you were living there, when you were a little kid, what sort of school did you go to? Um, I went to a private school. Uh, at the at the time, it was one of the most expensive there. My parents uh, were very poor when they were younger, and then they worked a lot and got a little money. So we had like a comfortable childhood. But uh, I, I always studied in private schools there. Uh, what did your parents do for work? Uh, they worked in General Motors. <laughs> okay, yeah. My dad is an engineer and my mother is a sec- was a secretary. They, were, they are... Uh, how do you say when you stop working because you are too old? Retired. Retired, yeah. yes. Retired. It's funny, though. I feel like if you're an engineer, it's one of those things that you always are an engineer, right? It's like being a bartender. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I don't think my dad wanted to be an engineer. I think he also wanted to do something with cooking because he really likes cooking. And he's like a person who doesn't like to fix things or 
like you know do what engineer people do uh especially because he worked with cars uh and he doesn't like he doesn't care much about cars he likes cooking more so i think he left being an engineer as soon as he retired and now he's just trying to fulfill his dream just cooking you know yeah i mean after being an engineer for that while especially if uh people like me have the attitude that you're always just an engineer maybe you want to try and stretch out and do something else right yeah <laughs> because people go after him to to ask like oh my air conditioner is is <laughs> giving me some problems what should i do and he's like oh, i'm not an engineer anymore i'm just retired <laughs> forget it i'll bring snacks for the guy that's fixing it instead yeah <laughs> um what kind of things were you into when you were a kid or when you were in high school um were you into art or dancing or sports or anything like that i really like dancing i uh there was this club here in a uh, club as in they have pools and a gym i don't know how uh, what do you yeah like a country call club it in yeah it's like a country club yes yeah um uh, and we had like dance classes we had a group and this kind of things we i really like dancing i still do like i just don't dance anymore as often as i wish was it like classical uh, dancing or was it specific like Modern dance, what was, was it like? like? Uh, jazz, okay. like pop dance and this kind of things. Like Brazilian pop and this type of music. Uh, when I was a child, I, I, I did ballet for five years. And after that, I started dancing at this country club. Do you feel like your training in dancing has helped you when you're working behind a bar? Uh, sometimes it does because it gets crowded. We have to to pass through people when they are like uh, always in the middle of the way. I don't know why, but they are. <laughs> we have like to go down and up and jump a little bit, so it, it's very useful. It's uh, you trained your muscles when you were younger. Yes, <laughs> when you have to not. Uh, bump with people yeah sure way, you have to you know, avoid everybody do, yeah, yeah like do that movement when you drink a little bit <laughs> yeah to not drop the drinks yeah kind of twisting your hips all over the place yes yeah kind of uh and did you go to college or university yes i studied marketing yeah you mentioned you did, you did a marketing degree uh once you finished and got your degree, did you work in that uh, in that business at all? No, I've never worked in marketing in my life. No, what did you do straight I out think, of what did you do straight uh, out of university? It was a little bit confusing because I stopped at university in the middle in the middle mm -hmm. because I failed some some classes, and then until. Then my father used to pay for everything, and then when I failed, he stopped paying. Uh, so I I stopped studying to start working, and then I moved to Japan, lived there for a year, and then when I came back, I I finished college, uh, the university, and then I started working as an English teacher for a while. 
And then right after that, I started working in bars. So I've never, the, the closest to marketing that I've worked with was when I was an administrative manager that I had to put together events and had to sell things. And this was the closest to marketing that I've been uh, in my professional life. And so when you left university and you had to start working, you decided on Japan. Why Japan? Uh, it was easier to get a visa to Japan than to the United States mm -hmm. at the time. And I, I really had to, to move from, from Brazil because we had some problems in, in my family. Mm -hmm. And so it was uh, a little bit easier to go there. But I, I, uh, on the, uh, I wish I went to the United States, but I really like Japan. But if I could turn back time, I would have waited for a while and went to the States, I think. Even with everything happening now? Uh, <laughs> uh, Brazil is so not far from what's happening there now. So it's like, uh, I can see like, uh, I can see more hope there than in Brazil right now. My sister lives in Florida mm -hmm. and, and I actually, I applied for a Canadian visa for a Canadian visa, a work visa. How long ago was that? Um, uh, about, uh, eight months ago, I think. And then, uh, and then I start, uh, I waited for the them to reply they didn't and then they replied like two weeks ago so i don't know what i'm gonna do but <laughs> that's a, <laughs> so, so you might be moving soon who knows uh, probably <laughs> yeah um okay so we got through school university you went and lived in japan for a bit and then you did move back to sao paulo um i want to ask a couple of little questions just because being i've never been to brazil myself um, and I know that from traveling, you sort of have your flagship cities where cocktails and, and drinking culture sort of exist and are very popular. And I know that, you know, London and New York and San Francisco and some of the, you know, some places in, in Japan as well are kind of uh, very much like what people aim for and what they try to emulate. So when people are making drinks in Sao Paulo or in Brazil in general, do you feel like there's a Brazilian style or is it influenced by something else? Uh, a little, a little, a couple of years ago, they started uh, giving more attention to classic drinks. So we have a lot of diversity here. We have like uh, bars that only serve uh, classic cocktails and the ones who serve all of all types of cocktails and Brazil has uh, a lot of great things to to add to to the cocktail industry in terms of uh, flavor and presentation so I think uh, yes, I think Brazil has uh, a unique way to, to put Brazilian people have 
a unique way to put their soul into into the cocktails. It's a very good. Uh, they they're very good work here. Mm-hmm. And then, um, for you personally, what styles of bars have you worked in? I worked in dance clubs. I worked in dive clubs. I worked in cocktail bars. No, cocktail bars is something about strippers because I wasn't. <laughs> no, God, yeah, it cocktail doesn't. Cocktail bars. It's like when you uh, when you have like high end cocktails. Yeah, uh, it, the translation there is a little different. Cocktail lounges means a couple different things, I think, uh, in different uh, cities. Yeah. <laughs> So no, yes. I mean if and even if you were a dancer, no problems. But uh, no, I but, don't. I wish I were. I, I do pole dancing. Oh really? I, I have classes I really like, but I I didn't work in one. That's just. <laughs> Is that where your evolution of your dance classes led you? Was to pole dancing? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's a very it's a great exercise. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't do any of that stuff. Um, yeah, no, you can. Well, I mean, I would have can, to practice. But if I can, everyone can. You know, I'm, ve- uh, I'm a very clumsy person. <laughs> so, don't you think it's funny how many bartenders you talk to that are clumsy in real life, but then you see them behind a bar and they move so gracefully? It is. It is funny. I. Uh, it is very funny. I have a friend who breaks everything that she touches but when she's working she like she's a magician or something and <laughs> it's amazing to watch and it's just it doesn't look right you know right <laughs> like you're watching someone fold time yeah it <laughs> looks like a different person yeah um okay so again coming from outside of brazil uh any big cachaça brands are more than happy to tell everybody that everyone in Brazil drinks cachaça. And that's what everyone has all the time. Is cachaça really that big of a, a cultural standpoint in Brazil? Or is that just something that marketing teams are telling us? It depends on what you are evaluating. Because we have lots of people who can't afford to buy expensive, uh, more expensive spirits. So you have that part of the population, which is a big part. And we have those who actually enjoy cocktails. And um, most of them, they, they don't really like cachaça. It's very difficult to work with cachaça in, in, in bars that are more expensive because they have this pre prejudice against the, the cachaça. Is it something but like are, nobody wants to drink what their granddad drank? Um, it's more related to social classes than to older people because old people drink vermouth. Right. You know, uh, it's more linked to, to people who can't afford drinks, you know? Right. So they don't want to be like, oh, I'm poor. No, I'm rich. I'm going to drink whiskey because it's important. It's, it costs like 10 times uh, what costs a, a bottle of cachaça here. That's a that's an interesting take on things is uh, a class system as to who drinks what. I mean, it's funny to think, too, about 
how mezcal now is so popular everywhere, but 20 years ago, it would have been kind of the same thing. Yes. So we've talked about what styles of bars you've worked in, and you've been at this for a while since leaving university and then coming back from Japan. But when the pandemic struck Brazil, you created a sort of relief fund for female bartenders. Tell us all about that. Don't spare any detail. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, so I had this... Uh, every, I, I've never did bartender courses or everything. Now I'm do, I'm studying, but I started like when uh, in the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. So everything I learned, I learned uh, from every part of the bar that I, I, I passed through uh, was with my friends. Uh, and they are um, very popular bartenders here. They are uh, very respected professionals. And one of, one of the two, of the, one of them is my best friend. Uh, her name is Michelle. And it was always only me and her, you know, uh, whenever we went to like a bar, a bar or a nightclub to have fun, uh, all that we saw working on, on the bars were, were men. And all the bars that we worked in were like me and her or only me or only her, the only women in the, the team. So it was very weird to go through nine years in this area, knowing that, that I know like a hundred bartenders and from them, like two are women. Yeah. And it's a very, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard to see because I'm a woman, you know, and it's difficult to work with men for us, uh, especially in Brazil. And, and I always wanted to change that, but not, uh, but I know I can't go in each and every bar and say, oh, you have to hire women because they are not going to. We know that. Yeah. So I always thought that we should try to prepare better uh, the bar women because all we have are male uh, role models. So we have lots of problems here with bartenders drinking during, during work, for example. And this is kind of cultural here which I don't think it's right, uh, neither uh, a couple of friends of mine. But this is something that uh, people who start in this business is taught to work like that, you know? Yeah. And it's a very dangerous uh, behavior. And we are really trying to, to change that because more than, than giving more than uh, drinking the bar, which is not, it's not yours. Uh, you have to take care of your health and especially your mental, mental health. We work with people, only with people. We work with people who are under the influence of, we don't know what, 
uh, we are serving alcohol, but people most often use other other things while drinking, and so you have to be mentally prepared to do to deal with this kind of people or uh, some kinds of situation, especially being a woman. Yeah. So we started to to think about some ways to to help them, and then we thought about. Uh, getting together and forming this organization, uh, which in Brazil is called Coletivo. I don't know the name in English, but it's a group. Yeah, it'd be uh, like a like a coalition. Yes. Yeah. But then, when we were trying to to take this out of the paper, we the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. So we 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 stopped thinking about like. Uh, creating workshops and this kind of things, and we started a crowdfund, a crowdfund to help women who got fired or who didn't have a job and didn't have how to to pay her bills. Mm-hmm. So we started this crowdfunding. Some brands helped us with uh, with some bottles, and we started. Uh, putting up together some kits and then we we sold them for very cheap and then we could uh, on the first phase we could help 15 women and now on the second we are uh, I think we're gonna help 10 more and we had uh, we had support from Gifford's guide it was a very it's a very, it was a very big, it was a very big thing, you know? Yeah. We had like lots of brands searching for us to help them. It really does sound like a great initiative. What, what's the name of it again? Coletivo Ada Coleman. Named after Ada Coleman, the bartender from Savoy. Yes. Amazing. And if, yes, uh, if, you. if any brand people or if anyone, maybe uh, that hasn't been shut down or that does have a little extra money, is there a way for anyone to donate to you? I think the platform accepts all credit cards. So uh, just going through the link on our bio, you could go to the to the webpage. It's called Benfeitoria. Things in Brazil, as you mentioned, um, when we sort of mentioned the U.S. earlier, you said things in Brazil are not looking so good right now. Uh, do you want to touch on that a little bit, or are you tired of talking about it? Uh, uh, no, we talk we talk about that all the time because we are living it, so it's not a big deal talking about with people who doesn't know what's happening here. Uh, but we have a very very awful president. Uh, even Trump doesn't like him, so <laughs> they were they used to be friends. Now they are not anymore. I think I don't know. I'm not sure. He's making everyone's life very hard because he should be handling better the the whole pandemic situation. I didn't expect much for, from him because, as I said, he was he's just like Trump a little bit worse but uh but we did expect you know we didn't expect but in the end 
used to expect a little bit like but he didn't we have we don't have like a, a health minister yeah minister of health that was something when you and i were texting arranging this you said <laughs> that there's no health ministry anymore in sao paulo no. or in all of brazil no no in brazil oh wow uh, they uh, he's changing the ministers uh, from almost capable people to militaries so he has this he's, he's awful this sounds <laughs> this all sounds a little too familiar um, yes. I mean, in Canada, it's not quite, it's not like that bad at all, but we get a lot of American news. And so this all sounds uh, kind of familiar to what's going on with our American friends. It hmm. is. Uh, uh, it is, but it's a little worse because, uh, like in the United States, my sister is due to the pandemic, she's having like a, a health um, a security um, money, yeah. insurance money, I don't know. And she also gets her insurance from leaving her job. Right. Uh, I don't know the name in English, but in Portuguese it's called unemployment insurance. Yeah, same thing. You get, yeah. And so she can pay for her bills, you know, but she can, she actually can pay for her bills. Here in Brazil, the government is paying like 600 reais to, to help people during the pandemic. Right. But uh, most of the people who need to get this money can't get because they have to access through an app or they have to uh, uh, update a document or something like that. But nothing is working because it's a pandemic so nobody's working right there's bureaucratic loops to jump through but no one there to hold the hoops for them yes yeah and before before that like two or three years ago the dollar was like three to one which which was very expensive uh already so three is uh one dollar costs three highs yeah one american dollar now it's it's costing like more than five. Oh, so wow, we, yeah. we reflect on, for example, on our uh, on our industry because I the price of the bottles will like go up a lot mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So everything will be much more expensive. And uh, the government and the state, the federal government and the state government, they fight between each other. So, uh, so they have like stupid laws from place to place. You know, there are some places who are opening, like Rio de Janeiro, and but they there they have lots of people infected in in Sao Paulo too. But they are still opening because I don't know. Because people they need money, right? The yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, they do. But this should be uh, responsibility of the government this time, you know. Oh yeah, for like. sure. <laughs> um, okay, so on to lighter stuff. Uh, when we can all travel again? If I was going to come to Sao Paulo, where should I? Where should I go? And what should I do? 
the bars that I like to go, my favorite is Boca de Ouro. Is in it's a neighborhood called Pinheiros. It's a very good bar. It's kind of like a speakeasy, but it's not. It looks like a house, but it's a bar. Um, and there's a, a lesbian bar in downtown Sao Paulo, which is my favorite too, but uh, it's mostly only for, for women. Yeah. So I don't think it would be... But there are a lot of bars and the night scene, the nightlife here is awesome. You can get like all different types of drinks and food like in one night. Everything is very close to to each other, you know? Yeah. All the bars and there is a bar which is very beautiful uh, and it's under the municipal theater. It's called Bar dos Arcos. It's a very, it's a very beautiful place. I love finding those old bars beneath old theaters. There's a few of them I've seen around the world, and they're just, it's amazing. Yes, it's, it's very good. It's very beautiful there. It's yeah. all old, but it's new, and it's, it's fun. I want to touch on it for a second again here. You mentioned the lesbian bar. I think it's great that there is a lesbian bar and that you even mentioned that it's just for women or mostly just for women which after you mentioned that uh, so much of the bar culture in Brazil is so male-dominated, it's totally fine to have that lesbian bar where it's just for women, you know? Yeah, I I think so too. As a woman and a lesbian, I think so too. But um, uh, men can go there, but they charge a fee to enter, which is uh, donated to um, LGBT non-profit organization yeah that's great but uh, you know that people don't like that you know you know what <laughs> I, I, I know i'm very far away but i like the sounds of this bar <laughs> yeah it is awesome there and then to flip it around when we can all start traveling again uh where would you like to go once you uh after being at home for however many months where would you like to travel to I think to the beach, it doesn't matter which beach, <laughs> but I think anyone would do like, I don't know. Yeah. Just it's somewhere to sit on sand and watch an ocean. Yes. You know, see a little nature because I live downtown Sao Paulo. So I, it's only buildings and concrete and lots of people all the time. Yeah, it gets intense. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Tata Kimura, thank you so much for, again, for taking the time and talking to us about not only what you're up to, but how Brazil is doing um, and a couple cool bars. If people want to reach out to you to find out more about the Ada Coleman Collective or about what you're up to and what drinks you're into, if someone wants to actually talk about drinks, how do they do that? Uh, they could uh, reach me through Instagram. It's Tataka, T H A W T A K. Amazing. Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk, especially with everything being Thank so you. crazy in Brazil right now. I loved it. Thank you. 
Thanks again, Tata. Thank you for taking the time to listen. There's a lot going on right now. And taking the time to listen to two people that barely know each other talk about Kashasa is a luxury, so I appreciate that. If you want to find me, you can do so on Instagram. I'm at Bartender Atlas. Uh, Jess, the other person in charge of Bartender Atlas, my wife, also reads those messages. So uh, if you're sending something, make sure you address it to me. Remember that Black Lives Matter. Don't trust the cops. And please, be well. <laughs>